0: I would say now is the time to stand up. It seems like the pro-life movement has gotten very comfortable by signaling to pro-choice people that we're not crazy, we're not hateful, all this stuff. When we know that, we know that about ourselves, and we know our actions have reflected nothing but the fact that we're willing to put ourselves and our freedom on the line to protect these children. So instead of virtue signaling to people who believe they have the moral high ground while simultaneously killing children – it's time for us to stand up.
1: Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture. Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, relationships, work, pop culture, and true crime from a Christian conservative perspective. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy! Hello everyone. You are listening to Those Other Girls. This is a bonus episode, a really uh, quick episode. Probably we'll see (laughs) where we're going to be talking about something that has happened in the pro-life world, uh, in the world in general, that I think is very important. Um, I really think we need to be discussing it and we can't be silent about it. We're going to be talking about the justice for the five. Um, I have Kristen Turner, who is the communications director for POW. And she is going to be um, talking to us about um, what we can do, going over what what happened and things like that. Um, and this will also be – go ahead and start sharing this episode. Um, you can share it now to with your friends at our pro-life that are like, okay, I want to do something. Like, how can I uh, – this is the episode to share with them. So without further ado, everyone – Kristen Turner. Okay, Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you wanted to get involved in the pro-life movement?
0: Yeah, I, I am Kristen Turner. Like you said, I'm the communications director for the Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising, but I also lead my own organization, Pro-Life San Francisco. I'm the executive director there, and I got involved in the pro-life movement You know, it was a really crazy scenario. I encourage everyone to go read on my Instagram why, but basically to shorten it, I was experiencing, you know, sexual abuse and I thought I had become pregnant at the hands of my abuser. And at the time I was avidly pro-abortion. I wasn't even pro-choice. I just, I didn't want to talk with people about it. I just wanted to shut down the conversation. And it wasn't until I was facing a scenario where I thought that could be something that happened to me and that I would need to consider an abortion that I did more research and found out, you know, abortion is, like, actual murder. It, like, kills a little baby, which, um, you know, as a progressive, I thought that, you know, this couldn't be compatible with my values. I'm an atheist. I'm a vegan. I'm a progressive. And it doesn't make sense to me to, you know, care about other people and progress and even non-human animals, but at the same time believe that it's okay to violently oppress the youngest, you know, most vulnerable group within the human population. So... I became pro-life. And ever since then, I haven't slowed down. I've just been doing more and more activism. And I'm really glad that there's a community here that's, you know, putting me up and letting people hear about the things that I'm doing. So thank you so much for having
1: me on. Of course. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Also, too, I don't know um, how much you know about the podcast, but we say it's from a Christian conservative perspective. So I absolutely love that you are not Christian conservative like that you you're bringing in a different perspective that I think a lot of our audience probably just does not interact with Mm -hmm. um and I just want to also say just a little tidbit in here that you don't have to be Christian conservative you don't have to have any type of religious association to be Mm pro-life it's just like you said consistent life ethic um but yeah so that's great um and I Highly suggest everybody follow her um, on Instagram. You will, she is amazing. Oh, um, thank she's you. Done a lot of really, no, seriously, you've done a lot of really cool things. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Um, can you talk now really quickly about what POW is? Can you? Um, Maybe talk a little bit about like what the mission is. And,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So POW is a group of progressives who are organizing grassroots activists to do direct nonviolent action in order to protect unborn people. And we also, you know, we do lots of stuff, but our main kind of thing that we do is we do direct nonviolent action and we educate people about the issue of abortion. So we really saw this rich history of direct action within the pro-life movement. and. As progressives, it's something that is really huge within, you know, climate justice circles. It's something that's really big when mm-hmm. it comes to animal rights. And many of us being part of those communities already thought to ourselves, why isn't the pro-life community doing something like this? Especially with such a rich history of, res- a rich history of rescue, which I don't know if you know, but we mobilized like the most people in American history for any single issue, the pro-life movement. Really? Yeah, for okay, action. I did not know that. Yeah, because in the okay. 80s and 90s, there was... Thousands and thousands of people doing these rescues, putting their bodies between the oppressed and the oppressor. And we wanted to bring that back because we don't believe that there's any way to, you know, get justice for the unborn without doing something ourselves, putting our bodies and our freedom and everything on the line, of course, nonviolently, and using every nonviolent tool in our toolbox to dismantle the abortion industrial complex, which is the intersecting interests of the government, of private business, of communities who are invested in the continuation of abortion so we find where their weaknesses are and we we do direct action that we know will break down these power structures and take down the abortion industry from
1: the ground up love that so much can you so everyone listening um not everybody knows what you mean when you say like direct asking direct action and rescue can you talk a little bit about those i know you guys mm-hmm. do the pink it's called pink rose rescue yes. right So one of the most classic
0: examples of direct action, which there's tons of literature out there about direct action and what it is, but for the purposes of this podcast, we'll say it's, you know, putting yourself between the oppressed and the oppressor, taking action that, you know, has some sort of risk and benefits the oppressed communities. It's not just writing about something online. It's not just, you know, standing with a sign. It's actually going and doing that thing where you are, you know, taking your risk, putting yourself in that situation. So... Um, There's lots of literature about direct action, but that manifests most specifically um, and most well-known in our cause as doing rescues. And there's lots of different types of rescues, but what POW does is called Pink Rose Rescues. So a Pink Rose Rescue, we get pink roses as a nod to Red Rose Rescue, which... Came up in 2017, but PINGRO's Rescue creates an inclusive space specifically for people who are not religious or who are of different faiths besides, you know, Catholic or Protestant Christians. And um, we just try and make spaces for progressive people who want to rescue and who want to help the unborn. And rescue can look really different depending on your goals and who's doing it and things like that. So, basic definition of rescue is either going inside of an abortion facility or creating some type of barrier to stop abortions from happening. So that was kind of more popular in the 80s and 90s before it became a federal crime with the FACE Act. People would go and they would um, have thousands of people sit in front of abortion facilities where nobody could access them because, you know, obviously they didn't want anyone to die that day. So they would stand Mm -hmm. out there, you know. There were pregnant people, men, women, like everybody, kids, adults, old people, and um, the way that it looks most common now is you go inside of an abortion facility. And, you know, the first time I did this, I was super surprised
1: how similar it was. To I was going can you, like, talk, give us a, a story of what are the times you've done it?
0: Yeah, so um, I'm actually probably going to trial for this rescue I did on t- Tuesday. Oh. We might get a continuation, but... I did a rescue in November in- uh, Should you
1: still be talking about it? Like, I don't want you to- Yeah, of course. Get in trouble. Okay. This was public. We
0: put all the information out about this, but- um,
1: Okay, cool. Yeah,
0: tell us. In November, we did a rescue in Alexandria, Virginia, and we went inside. We had pink roses, and we went inside and started talking to the people in there and being like, hey, they can't force you to do anything. You don't need to have an abortion. Like- it's a lot like sidewalk counseling. Like you just go out to them. And yeah. Like, this place has a history of medical malpractice. They send people to the hospital all the time. The doctor doesn't yeah. care about your health. Here are the alternatives. So our roses, we include like a little bookmark that's tied to it. And it says pregnant need help. And then it has a phone number where they can get all sorts of resources. And um, so we basically, we start by kind of just sidewalk counseling in the waiting room. And it's so funny because people have the perception of rescue that you know you go in there and you're yelling and there's chains and
1: you're doing all this crazy stuff. But I thought you guys were bringing babies out for whatever. I thought like I don't know, I don't know. I was picturing you running out with a, a newborn child we saved. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, continue. yeah, so picture bigger. I mean, that's kind of like
0: what animal rescuers do for like animal rights stuff. Like they'll go into fa- factory farms and take out animals. So you know, they, they were also inspired by pro-life tactics, which is really interesting how it's become cyclical. But, um, yeah, we go in there and we have these roses. We do that. And it's surprising because a lot of the times they don't notice that you're doing it for like a little bit because it's like, we're not harassing people. We're not yelling. We're not doing crazy stuff. So they don't even notice. They think you're just someone sitting in the waiting room, but really you're like counseling these people. And, um, then usually when they notice, they immediately call the police and they'll be like, get out of here. Like, we want money, so like we're going to try and convince these people <laughs> yeah. to not have any choices, which is really ironic. But um, we go and we do that. And then there's two main types of rescues that we engage in. So there's traditional rescue and there's opportunity rescue. And most of the rescues we do are opportunity rescue, which means you go in, you do the counseling, and then you leave before the police arrive. So technically, it's not breaking a law because when you break the law for a rescue, it's almost always trespassing. But trespassing isn't trespassing unless you're asked to leave by the police and then you refuse to leave. So if you leave, it's not breaking a law. You won't get arrested. Like, people think that when you do a rescue, like, you can't control whether or not you're going to get arrested. But we have a plan. We know whether or not we're going to get arrested. And we choose to do it depending on what we think is most effective for that time. So most of our rescues, we don't get any police interaction or even get arrested in. We just go in, we do the counseling, we come back out which is super effective because we get to have these one-on-one conversations. And it seems a lot of the time the people in there for abortion are a lot more receptive to rescue than they are to sidewalk counseling.
1: Yeah. And I definitely can see that because it's probably a lot less intense. They're probably, cause when you come in, I've uh, gone counseling before and you know, you're outside and it's at least, especially the one in Charlotte, I don't know if you've ever, I really want you guys to come down to Charlotte one day. Um, we have the biggest abortion facility in the Southeast wow. and it's just so you guys could like see. So at least the one in Charlotte that I go to, um, there it's literally like a, a large group of pro aborts that are just like, you know, being loud, doing all the stuff, to overpower loud, yeah and then there's a group of um the pro-lifers some of them stand to the side and just pray and praise and then some people are like trying to talk to them and i can just see how i've i've seen before where people like actually make the wrong turn and they're like driving like what is this yeah. they weren't trying to go to the abortion facility but they're they're trying to turn around and they're like what? On earth? so like, i can see how that's really intimidating when when you get inside you're probably like, okay. And then someone's like, hey, and talks to you. Also, too, I think about the fact that um, imagine the people who are going and they're like, God, I really don't want to do this. Like, just please, like, show me a sign. We've had people tell us like
0: we were looking for a sign. This is it.
1: So... Yeah, I can't think of a bigger sign than, hey, this isn't, here's some other options. Mm-hmm. So I think it, I definitely, this is great. I honestly don't know too much about it. Like I've seen videos that POW has done and like I've watched videos from things back in the eighties, but I've never really, I didn't know too much about it. And I think honestly, a lot of our audience probably has no idea that much about it either. Mm-hmm. So this is really good and very educational. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's transition to what happened um, with Lauren and the Justice for the Five. I, You know, you don't have to, like, t- say a dissertation or anything yeah. <laughs> like that because I will link the press conference that Powell did as well as um, the video that um, Lauren and Teresa did with uh, the Equal Rights Institute. Cool. So if you do want to know the full story, anyone listening, then I'll have that for you. But, Kristen, can you just give us, like, a summary because it was – Because it was during a rescue that this, that she came upon the box. Well, you just explain it really (laughs) quick.
0: So pro-lifers have kind of a checkered history with the Washington Surgery Center, which is the center that is at the center of this controversy. The Washington Surgery Center is known for medical malpractice, for their abortionist Cesare Santangelo saying unspeakable things. Like in live actions undercover footage in 2013, he admitted that he would let a child born alive during an abortion die so there's a lot of history around him one time during an abortion procedure he botched it so horribly that a woman ended up with fetal tissue in her lung he also induced an abortion onto a woman who gave birth in the toilet of a restaurant to a full-term baby who then died and it's just really sad to see those types of things so you know, Lauren and Teresa—they went to this abortion facility called the Washington Surgery Center, and they were doing a Pink Rose Rescue. And um, they did a rescue, and they met a woman, and she—you know—she was facing eviction, and that's the reason she was there for an abortion. So they ended up helping her get between four and five thousand dollars. She wasn't evicted, and she chose life for her baby. And after that experience, they were like, "This center needs more than just one rescue. Like, we need to keep coming back." So on March 25th, they went to the Washington Surgery Center with the intention to do another pink rose rescue. And when they got there, they noticed a medical waste truck. And this medical waste truck had the branding on it that said, um, Curtis Bay medical waste center. So they were like, Oh, that's probably the person coming to pick up the dead babies. Because if you've been sidewalk counseling for a really long time, You may or may not have seen when the medical waste truck comes to pick up all the bodies. And they made the reasonable assumption that, you know, there's a medical waste truck at this abortion facility. We should, you know, talk to them about what's in the box. And this abortion facility specifically is in a larger medical complex. So they obviously were like, oh, maybe they're picking it up from somewhere else. So they approached the driver and they're like, oh, is this from Washington or I don't know the exact chronological order of the conversation. That's something that Teresa and Lauren know. And they stated that in the press conference, but basically they were talking to him. They asked if it was from the Washington surgery center. And he was like, Oh, I don't know. Let me check. And he checked. And at some point in the conversation, they were like, do you know what's in that box? And the delivery man says, no. And they go, it's dead babies. And they said that he was visibly shaken and disturbed because he didn't know what was in that box. And, they were like, yeah. would you get in trouble if we took the box? And he was like, well, what would you do with it? And they said that they intended to give the babies a proper funeral and a burial. And because of that, he allowed them to take the box and they took it and they took it back to to Lauren's apartment as fast as possible. And when they got there, you know, you can see all of the videos on Pow's Instagram, but mm-hmm. they opened the box and they just found countless tiny little blue containers full of babies' bodies And, um, just from editing all the videos, since I've been the one editing all these, it's so crazy to see all of the little baby body parts. Their tiny little fingers are so perfect. And in specifically one video we recently released, Teresa's holding one of the babies in her hand and it zooms out and the baby's just so tiny, but because we, it was so zoomed in, you could see how perfectly formed and fully human they were. Um, but basically, they found 110 small babies, likely in the first trimester. And then, you know, they were really, really disturbed to see five larger containers because they knew larger containers meant larger babies. So there was five of these larger white containers and they opened them up and there were five, you know, viable children who were just brutally, brutally killed. And Christopher X, who was one of the babies, you can see the video of Lauren pulling him out of this container, was fully intact and just clearly a baby. And then there's little Harriet, who her head was crushed and her brain was removed. Um, She has one eye open and, you know, that's been kind of, that's been a sign to us that, you know, she's always going to be looking to us for justice. And then there was three other children. There was one baby named Phoenix who... Was born in their amniotic sac and likely suffocated to death on their own fluid when the umbilical cord was cut. And then there were two other children who were dismembered. So there was Holly and there was On who they were dismembered. Holly, you can see her entire spine. On you can see his lung and his intestines. But those were the five bigger babies found. And because of the Injuries they sustained, it's likely that these children were either born alive and left to die or were killed via an illegal abortion procedure called a partial birth abortion. Thus, the campaign Justice for the Five coming along because we want an autopsy for these babies. Santangelo has said on recording that he would leave babies to die. He has a history of malpractice. He has a history of horrible things, like having babies born in the toilet of a public restaurant and leaving aborted fetal tissue in this woman's lung. And because of that, we're saying we want an investigation. These children were likely murdered illegally. And we want to do everything we can to hold Santangelo accountable and stop him from hurting more people. So that's where it came about. Obviously you can watch the press conference because there's so many questions that this type of stuff brings up. So we answered so many questions in the press conference. It's on our YouTube progressive anti-abortion uprising, and you can watch the full
1: footage there. And I'll leave a link to everybody. I'll, I'll have a link in the awesome. description. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, If you, even if you're not pro-life, if you are any, if you're on social media at all, I think you have seen the story. Um, I saw it break first on Twitter where everything breaks first. (laughs) And um, outside of context, I think what was so frustrating about this is it seemed like... um, pro aborts were able to grab the story first and then just made this whole thing so outside of context um that's why i'm so glad there was a press conference outside of context it's just very confusing yeah because they're um, like
0: fetus hoarder she's got dead babies in her yeah basement, like all this stuff yeah like-
1: i was like when i first saw it i was like okay and i recognized lauren's name and i was like okay I know, I think I know her, and there has to be more to the story because this doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Also, too, logically, why would you hoard? So, you know, I'm really glad you guys did the press conference to clear a lot of the things up. Um, what is very annoying, frustrating, heartbreaking about the other aspect of this is that it just seems like people are not. Um, paying attention to the victims of this, yeah. the children. Everyone is so concerned. Not everyone. A lot of people Oh, and I've seen it in your comments when I've posted about it. Oh, well, she shouldn't have had them. And this isn't that. And it's like, well, aren't, you don't see this picture of a fully formed human right here. You, you don't care. So that's yeah. just, I mean, to me, that's the part that's like almost heartbreaking. Because I know when I when people first started sharing the videos and pictures, I mean, it I teared up like it's just so hard to see which is why I think we should show it because you know if you're not like saddened, if you don't feel anything then I mean you know I don't want to say there's something wrong with you but I don't know how else I mean there's not something right with you no offense to anyone yeah. you know whatever and you but- know I've always
0: had mixed mixed feelings about abortion victim imagery but I've just changed so much I feel like on the topic because Every single day this last week, we've been protesting outside of the mayor's office in D.C., calling for an autopsy. And today, my heart literally broke. We were standing out there, and I was holding a sign that's like, call the mayor and demand an autopsy. Like, here are the numbers to call. And I had a picture of baby Harriet and Christopher and Phoenix. And this little boy walks by, and his mom looks so angry, and she looks so upset that the pictures were there. But he goes, Mom, what happened to the baby? And, like, was so clearly understood that that is a baby. And he's like, that's a baby, right? And it's like these kids understand. And it's so sad to see how entrenched in corporate ideology people become that they can separate themselves from the humanity of these clearly, you know, murdered children.
1: Yeah. Wow. That was a...
0: Someone's here. Sorry
1: okay oh no you're good you're good okay, i gotta open the door if you need to get that yeah yeah yeah, you're good um while she's doing that i'll talk for a second i uh i really encourage everyone to go to Pau p-a-a-u now um their instagram live action has shared it um i think those are the only two like big uh people but i feel like autumn Lindsay, kong ming um Kristen, Jurgen, I want to say Tony, a lot of the other pro-lifers, uh, Kristen, this Kristen right here has shared it, Teresa has shared it, um, a lot of the quote-unquote big pro-lifers have shared it. Um, And uh, I just highly encourage everyone to check it out. Um, I encourage everyone to look at it. And like Kristen said, I've changed my stance on images as well. You know, I don't necessarily know if I think they should be appropriate, if I think they're appropriate, like at the March for Life or like outside of, of an abortion facility. But I do think on social media, there is a place for it. I used to be like, no, not at all. But I'm starting to see that there is a place for it because I think for me, what kind of changed it is just seeing how people are so callous about it and don't care. Cause that that just like blows my mind. Yeah. Blows my mind.
0: And Um, yeah, I think I agree. I feel like people deserve a warning. They should choose whether
1: or not they want to view them. Yeah, I do. That's a good point too. I like that. Um, after a while, Instagram did start putting it up like, hey, this is a trigger warning. Because there are people who, for example, have um, who have trauma in regards to that for Pregnancy various loss, so abortion regret, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I yeah. think it's so also did, important yeah.
0: for the victim's dignity to censor their private parts. I think
1: that that should be...
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that as well. So, um, I guess the next question, which is what I want to know, what All of pretty much ever I asked you guys on all of the social medias, (laughs) and this is pretty much the question that everybody's asking. What do we do? How do Mm we I'm in North Carolina, I can't get up to DC. Um, what can I do to help with this? Because I really think that our goal, our focus in this regard for the for Justice for the Five should be to get that autopsy. Yes. I think once we have that autopsy, this um we'll be able to show we'll just know some truth yeah i think that's really important and it also i was thinking about like why why do we even care but it just shows the dignity of a human being and it's it's crazy that this all happened too, right around dobbs i think yeah. it's just like what a crazy coincidence um but yeah what can we do first and foremost if you are a resident
0: of dc or anywhere nearby we will be protesting outside of the mayor's office every single day at noon for the rest of this week And we're also going to be protesting, you know, the medical examiner's office. We post updates about where we're protesting on our Instagram at paaunow Pownow. And if you're not in the area, it's really important that you pledge to speak about this issue every single day, because we can't have apathy around this. We can't have people not care, because the only reason that these bodies haven't been incinerated and the only reason that this was national news is because people stood up and they said something and they cared. And we have to keep that pressure. Right now, Congress is on recess. And what we've been doing is we've been contacting everyone that we can who has signed any type of congressional letter in support of our work. And we've been asking them, you know, would you be willing to come to a press conference? So I encourage everybody to call your representatives and say, what are you doing about justice for the five? Are you going to sign on to the next letter demanding an autopsy? Are you going to attend the press conference in D.C.? Those are the important questions. So email, call your senators. You can also, if you're not in D.C., it doesn't matter if you're resident or not, please call the D.C. mayor and demand an autopsy, as well as calling the D.C. medical examiners. You can find their number on our social media, or you can just Google it, but call them and demand an autopsy. Say, hey, it's your duty to uphold the law, and part of that is understanding that these children deserve an autopsy. I demand an autopsy for the five children that were killed in D.C., It's just as simple as that. It takes less than a minute, and it's really important. So make sure you call, email your representatives, call the D.C. medical examiners and the mayor, and make sure to pledge to speak about it on social media every day. Those are really important. Obviously, if you want to help send any type of financial aid to us, we could use all the help we can get in terms of, you know, we have a lot of stuff going on. Lauren was evicted from her apartment because of this, so she's been struggling with that. Oh, wow. Yeah, she...
1: The sound went out. Did it stop? It's it's back there. Cool. Sorry. Go ahead. She was you said she was in Yeah, evicted. Lauren
0: was evicted because of this and you know, it's just been really difficult. So that's also a way you can help if you know you can't get out or anything. Those are the main ways. We really just need people to keep talking about this because that is the pressure has to be on for these representatives to be held accountable. The mayor of DC mm-hmm. was just endorsed by Emily's list, who is, you know, a huge factor in a huge organization within the abortion industrial complex and she's running for re-election so she knows that if she speaks out against about this and if she does the autopsy then she's going to probably hurt when it comes to her voters but this isn't a partisan issue this isn't about left or right this isn't about Mm -hmm. religious or not this is about human beings who are murdered most likely illegally. And even if you're avidly pro-choice or pro-abortion, you should be for the autopsy of these children because if it's really about safety, if it's about having access to what you consider a right, and that should be a safe right, then it should also mean upholding medical standards for people like Cesare Santangelo.
1: Yeah. Love that. Um, and to what you said, we always say on this podcast that, um, being pro-life, um, the abortion issue is not a political issue. It's a human rights issue oh, that has been politicized. That's what we always try to say. No matter where you stand on the spectrum, this is an important human rights issue. And like you said, having them um, holding people medically accountable, I love that. That's not even an aspect I thought of. That's such a good point. So I have a couple more questions around um, getting the word out. Yeah. What are some um, talking points we should... Um, What are some things that we should absolutely be saying? And then maybe give us two or three things that are you're like, this is not helpful if you say this. Yeah. So obviously, I think it's important to talk about
0: Cesare Santangelo's history of abuse. Um, We've covered those types of things, and I'm sure in the future we'll be putting out a more in-depth post about his type of abuses. I would say... Make sure to say the victims' names. It's important to humanize them. Okay. The abortion industry has stripped them of every single ounce of humanity that they have. So, showing their images in a respectful manner and saying their names when applicable, that's really important to rehumanizing them and to, you know, not letting people basically walk all over them because You know, the other day we went and disrupted a DC abortion fundraiser and they were like, justice for the five. And it's like, how can you look at a picture of a literal dead baby uh, and not claim that they deserve justice? So it's important to humanize them because the whole stated purpose of killing them came about because of the way our society views them. But, you know, I would say that's important. I would say research a lot about what happened. I feel like the most... One of our biggest barriers is misinformation, not even misinformation, but disinformation. There's so much crazy stuff. For real. <laughs> Literally, someone released an article yesterday saying that Lauren buried all the babies in her backyard. And it's like, first of all, Lauren didn't even have a backyard. Second, <laughs> second of all. And people probably ran with that, like, oh my goodness, look, look, look. And, like, uh, people saying the FBI raided her house and found the babies never happened. The FBI did not step foot in Lauren's house. She was arrested for something completely unrelated and didn't break a crime from getting the box. And they were the ones who called the
1: D.C. Homicide Department to come get the babies. Like That's what I've been telling people because a couple people have said stuff. People who I would say they are more personally pro-life. So stuff like this is like, oh, my God, to them. And I was like, I you know... I what this is before the press conference so I was like I know one thing that like she called it wasn't she wasn't arrested for this yeah there, she yeah she was arrested and you know they have that picture because that's what I saw first too it was like woman arrested for hoarding babies and it's like oh that's every sentence or every word of that sentence is incorrect. literally
0: incorrect and It's so funny, too, the kind of double standard that pro-choice people get to have. They get to call her creepy Mm -hmm. and say it's serial killer behavior to have babies in her house without also acknowledging that the reason those babies are dead and in her house is because of their ideology. So they get to call her creepy for being a baby (laughs) hoarder, but then they also get to say that she hates women and she's taking their private moment to be public, and they get to have it both ways. So that's frustrating. Also
1: if it's just a clump of cells, why does it even matter? Like, why do you even care if it's just clump of cells? Okay. So what are, let's say three things you can think of that are just not helpful that you've heard people say, or that you're like, okay, that's not helping the movement. Um, I wouldn't shove victim imagery down
0: people's throats. I think that there's a respectful way to do it. And it's important that you like, you need to respect people's boundaries because the research shows that the way that you show victim imagery is important. A lot of times people Mm -hmm. get mad at the people holding the signs instead of the people who made that sign a reality by killing the baby. So making sure that you have that type of rapport and mutual respect with people that you're talking to can open them up to seeing the humanity of the children. I would also say it's not helpful to like, Talk about, obviously, I think people should always talk about abortion and that kind of stuff. But I think it's important to talk about this as a, as a scenario in itself where you don't need to be pro-life to support an autopsy. So, you know, right. say like these babies are probably killed legally. That's an important thing to talk about. And I would say it's also important to talk about Santangelo's abuses and how those abuses are not an isolated incident. We had Gosnell. We have the people currently at UCSF doing similar practices. And it's important to talk about how this relates to the abortion issue, you know, as a whole. And I think it's also important to talk about, you know, later abortions and why they happen, because so often we get this baseless claim that late abortions only happen because people are devastatingly given a diagnosis where they have to have an abortion when in reality all the information we have show that most later abortions are for elective reasons and i would suggest going to secular pro-life's master post about abortion after 21 weeks because they compile Mm -hmm. so much research from arizona state new york times all these different sources that show that later abortion has never really been about these isolated, different scenarios, and it's really mainly happens for mostly the same reason that first and second trimester abortions happen.
1: Wow, this is such good information. Um, I think that's it. Is there anything you want to add that you feel like you didn't get a chance to say about Justice for the Five, POW, um, your organization, anything?
0: I would say now is the time to stand up. It seems like the pro-life movement has gotten very comfortable by signaling to pro-choice people that we're not crazy, we're not hateful, all this stuff. When we know that, we know that about ourselves and we know our actions have reflected nothing but the fact that we're willing to put ourselves and our freedom on the line to protect these children. So instead of virtue signaling to people who believe they have the moral high ground while simultaneously killing children, it's time for us to stand up and it's time for us to Nonviolently non-violently rescue it's time for us to stop feeling guilty the guilt is done there is no more guilt when you look in the faces of these five dead children so i would say mm-hmm. be brave be bold and use every non-violent tool in your toolbox to stand up for these children if you're interested in doing any type of rescue we can equip you with those resources and talk you through the ideology and the philosophy behind it And make sure that you're able to take direct action in a way that you're comfortable
1: with that will make a tangible change for these children. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Um, Everyone, like I said earlier, make sure you share this. This needs to go everywhere. Any of your friends that are pro-life and honestly, your friends that are also pro-choice but care about justice, that care about um, medical standards share this with them i think this is so important um and we cannot and we will not stop talking about christopher harriet on hell um holly Hope and and holly and phoenix Hope and holly phoenix phoenix <laughs> it's holly and phoenix yes mm-hmm. we will not stop talking about them i'm going to memorize their names instead of butchering them um on live podcast but um yes you guys so Thank you so much, Kristen. Again, everyone, I will link the videos, um, of the press conference. I will link Kristen's organization, POW. And, um, do you care if I linked your social media as well? Yeah, go for it. It's at Kristen Turner Life. Perfect. And I'll link all
0: that. Yeah. On Twitter, it's Kristen for life because it was too long. Kristen. (laughs) Okay. But um, (laughs) there's a, there's a memorial post that goes through the names of the five larger babies and why we named them that on POW's Instagram. So if you want to read
1: that, we wrote wrote about their names there. Perfect, and I'll share that um, on our Instagram as well, so you guys can see that, um, and I'll make sure that everybody gets that information. Um, thanks again. I've probably thanked you like three times already, but seriously, <laughs> thank, thank you so you. much for I having really me. Think- yeah, of course. I really think this was a needed episode, just to get some clarity. And I know some people are like, "Okay, I want to do something. I don't know what to do. I want to do something." So you have explained what we can do, and also to thank you for explaining the rescues, because I know I don't know anything about that, and I'm I know our audience mm-hmm. don't they don't know anything about that either. So thank you again, and everyone. Um, make sure you share this. See you later. Bye.